When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a Heart and Hand production. Hello everyone and welcome to the Rangers Relay. This is your infrequent roundup uh, of all things to do with Rangers. Uh, my name is Cameron Bell. I'm from uh, the podcast Heart and Hand and I'm delighted to be joined by my regular co-host Mr Stevie Clifford of Four Lads Had a Dream. Stevie, how have you been? Um, it's been uh, a rough old time from a Rangers world, I think it's fair to say, since we last got together. Some interesting things that we're going to talk about. Um, and as pair with Rangers, uh, nothing's ever boring or easy. No, it certainly isn't, Cammy. Uh, first of all, hello everyone, Cammy. I hope you're also well. It has been. It's been a, a you know, the the proverbial Rangers roller coaster. There's a lot to cover and a lot to go through. We said at the start when we first done this that we would leave no subject untouched. So there's a lot of things to cover today, um, and looking forward to getting right into it. Before we do that, Stevie, we are recording this on Sunday evening, uh, the day before Her Majesty's funeral. Um, a huge, huge loss for the nation, one if not the greatest uh, monarch we've ever had and one of our greatest ever servants. Uh, 70 years of, of service and dedication and loyalty to our country, um, both here and abroad. Um, it's been a, a very, very sombre period I think it's fair to say uh, as I say time of recording the funeral will be tomorrow um, and I think all, all we can really do and it'd be remiss of us not to Stevie is just to give thanks for um, such a tremendous uh, service decades 
um, of continual commitment to our people. And um, yeah, a very, very sad time and very reflective, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. An extraordinary woman who gave complete service to, to our country. You know, we shouldn't forget that she was also a loving mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, etc. You know, she a very family-orientated person and she served our country with, with absolute distinction. Nothing but absolute respect for um, everything that she done for, for this country, you know, in Great Britain. And, you know, like you echoed, Cammy, very difficult subject for everyone, you know. Um, it, but it is right that we should say, you know, our condolences to everyone, to the family and yeah, absolutely. And listen, no easy way to move on from that, but we want to move on to the subject now of Rangers. And since we last spoke, Stevie, I think the the main talking point, obviously, is our qualification into the Champions League. A, a, a hard battle, I think, uh, against PSV uh, in our final qualification round. A 2 all draw at Ibrox and then a 1-0 Antonio Cholak goal across in Holland saw us going in to the big boy table uh, for the first time in 10 years. And I think, Stevie... Um, it's been fair to say that the couple of games that we've had so far in the group, I think, have highlighted uh, why it's been such a difficult journey for us to be able to get there. Um, not pretty in terms of what we've seen thus far within the group against some very, very good opponents. What's been your thoughts in terms of, you know, the qualification, um, having to make that step up, having to to really make sure that we could go out there with uh, uh, a real positive outlook against you know superior opposition I think is, is is fair to say yeah I think we've drawn some elite teams but it's the Champions League it's to be expected you know Liverpool you know, winners and finalists in, in recent years Napoli are, are top of the Serie A and Ajax are Ajax you know we, we know we're going to get there in terms of, of the qualification you know to come past Union St Gallian after making a, a a bit of a pig's ear of the away game was was very important. That guaranteed us at minimum a five million pound parachute. So PSV was one of those ones where I think it was really fifty fifty. I would be tending to say, and I said it at the time, and obviously you know hindsight's wonderful, Cameron. But I think PSV is where we are at in terms of our European kind of stature at the moment. What we went into is a, a step above. Ajax away was. A mismatch. We did not perform. You know, we'll, we'll come on to that in terms of overall performance. We're, we're going through a bit of a rocky patch at the moment. Napoli at home, I thought for 60 minutes we competed really well and, you know, we created some good opportunities and we were unlucky in terms of the quick yellow and, and red card for James Sands. It wasn't wrong, unfortunately. We've recovered Alan McGregor bouncing straight back into the team with some unbelievable moments. But at that moment, you know, as soon as we go down to 10, we can't compete because they are, you know, a, a superb team as we've seen what they did to Liverpool. So we've got to try and make sure that this Champions League journey doesn't turn into an embarrassment where we take six hidings and, and don't pick up any points. You know, we've got to at least give everything we possibly can. And that's the challenge, you know, Liverpool doubleheader is going to, going to be really difficult. And, and the problem with that is that it comes at a time where we, we are under pressure a wee bit. So we have to we have to try and get something out of it. And, it. and it seems impossible, you know, it seems really difficult. But 
Highbrook Stadium at home, you know, anything can happen. So away from home, it's going to be really difficult. But we have to, at very least, Cameron, we have to hold our own. That's that's the most important thing. We we can't afford to take six hammerings because we've seen what it can do to us. We're, we're a very fragile squad, some players more than others. But that's the price of being here. You know, financially, at the end of the season, we'll be in a much better place for it. And and that's the you know that's the challenge. The challenge is to become regular competitors at this level, so that we can build up finances, get better players, you know, and and see what it takes us. But I'm not going to sit and surrender and say that it's it's done or or it's over. But my main hope is that we show a better level of performance, Cammy, and and we give it our all. And and it's not a defeatist attitude. Not at all, you know, there's still points to be won. But we can't have a 4-0 capitulation as our as our normality. We've got to use the 60 minutes against Napoli as our normality, Cami. I'm not sure where, you know, where it comes from against Liverpool, but anything's possible in these games. What would you what would your aspirations be from from where we've we've came to and and where we're sitting at the moment and what you hope to see? I think when I saw the group and I saw, I think probably like everyone, you know, where your opportunities were going to lie, we thought, right, okay, Liverpool will, will probably win the group. Um, I didn't believe there was mugs, but I felt that there was chances that we could have taken it. You know, we had went about it in the correct manner. And I think like most people, Stevie, um, and, and certainly a lot of people I'd spoken to when, when we came out, we said, well, actually, finishing third might be the preference rather than qualifying into the latter stages of the Champions League and then potentially getting, you know, uh, 108 minutes worth of football. If you could get into third and get drop into Europa, then, you know, you could go in an extended run again. And I think part of that thought process, and listen, I'm sure I'm not alone here, was probably because I'd, I'd been spoiled of the success of what we've achieved within Europe over the last number of years, not just getting all the way to the final last season. Um, and so, you know, you get a little bit of confidence into you. You think, right, well, you know, who who can who can come and really take a game against us at Ibrox? And I think, you know, even back in the in the nineties, the big thing for us was always you've got to try and do whatever you can to win your home games, no matter the opponent. You've got to be able to try and get something out of those games. And um, that was going to be the that was going to be the difference maker. What I think we've now seen and what I think your experience has now shown within that as well is that you're not going to have anywhere near those types of easy games. There is a clear stark difference in terms of quality that you're talking about playing against the manager. I think a little bit foolhardy in his comments, but I do understand what he was trying to say after the Ajax game, talking about, you know, the millions of, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds of difference. I do get that and I do understand that. Um, But for me, this has got to be the start of a new journey if we want to be within the Champions League and we want to compete within the Champions League this is this is now showing me the first two two games have shown me that it's going to have to be incremental steps so like yourself I'm not surrendering I'm not saying that you know games are bogey and then that's it we've only we've only played really 33% of the games thus far that we're going to and they're going to be you know difficult games I think they'll get harder when we get into match days five and six when theoretically it's all to play for because I don't think anyone expected Napoli to beat Liverpool as convincingly as they did 
But that said, Napoli came to Ibrox, and for me at least, for the first 60 minutes, Stevie, I felt we held our, we held our own. I thought, yeah, we, 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 we troubled them. Um, I'm not suggesting that had it continued, you know, with us holding out a little bit longer or keeping, you know, 10, 11 men in the park that we would have been able to get a result. I don't, I'm, I'm not, that I'm not so confident on, but we took a game to them. And I think that it was a harder game, certainly, than they thought it was going to be for the first 60. Um, I heard a lot of, of uh, I suppose, really a lot of criticism towards the referee. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, if I'm being honest, um, in terms of the Sands decision for the second booking to send them off. I think I think that I, I'm still not necessarily convinced that that was a second booking. But other than that, I felt he pretty much did what he had to do. Um, very rarely do you see goal uh, Goalkeepers been penalised for coming off their line and then obviously retakes, but that happened to us. So I think it was positive. I think there were signs there that we can we can do better. Um, and I think what I've also it's, it's given me more belief in and, and probably just renewed the belief that I had already was, you know, when teams come to Ibrox, they wouldn't want to come and play against a full vocal angry Ibrox that will go out there to, to, to fully back the team and fully support what we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to do in terms of play well, perform well, get points, really doing whatever we can within our home games. And, you know, with the exception, obviously, of, of uh, Napoli, uh, due to the rearrangement because of the, uh, the the circumstances we talked about at the start of the show, uh, unfortunately, we won't have any away fans in the stadium across there. I don't know if I'm necessarily too confident on that. I think that there will be a, a few Rangers fans within the ground. Um, but we will take, obviously, a, a, a phenomenal travelling support. And I certainly know uh, scores of people who are heading down to Anfield as well within the hopes of either uh, getting a ticket or one already sorted through some sort of means. So, like I say, I think that we've we've got it all to play for. Stevie, let's turn our, our, our focus a little bit then on to domestic matters. Um, we... I think started pretty brightly. Uh, a difficult game, um, uh, obviously across at Livy, um, and a fairly comfortable win against uh, Kilmarnock Ibrox. A very comfortable win uh, against St Johnson, and then came Easter Road. I suppose really I want to talk to you a little bit around. Uh, you know, we've 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 seen some issues with Alfredo Morelos this season. Was obviously sent off in that game as well. John Lundstrom was sent off, as albeit as it turned out incorrectly, and then it was rescinded. Um, that was for me a really difficult game for us to get, but I think we made it a lot more difficult than we had to. If I'm being honest with me, tell me tell me your thoughts in terms of where you think they were at domestically at the moment before we step into the old firm game, and obviously um, the Morelos situation uh, as it was back then. Yeah, I think at that point we were fine. You know, if you if you take in terms of what we were doing in Europe at the same time, I think, you know, heading to Easter Road with the, you know, we were doing fine. You know, we, we hadn't peaked, we hadn't, you know, turned in brilliant performances, comfortable home victories. Livingston, they showed the determination that we needed. I think that Easter Road, we, we didn't perform anywhere near as, as well as we can. Um, I think, you know, there was handbrake on at certain points of the team. You then get the first goal, concede a really sloppy second, but show the the kind of guts to get to get back in front. At that point, we're very unlucky with a, a a red card decision. But even with ten men, I would have fancied us. When it goes to nine, 
I think that completely rules out holding on because it was like the Alamo for the last 20 minutes, you know, as you would expect. And they were unlucky, Cammy. again, you know, I've seen criticism of, of certain people, you know, we're talking about fractions and trying to block a ball and instinctively kind of move in a certain way and people jumping all over that. I think we were unlucky that day. However, we could have played a lot better and we can play a lot better or we think we can play a lot better. But as it's turned out, Easter Road was kind of symptomatic of, of what was to come domestically for the next couple of games. A couple of things stand out from that game. When we move it quickly and when we get an overlap and, and when we attack things, we're very good. The, the goal quality of the second one, Tom Lawrence's header, is exceptional. And that's where the frustration comes because we feel that we should be doing more of that. Defensively, this trend has kind of continued where the, the goals have been easy and cheap. Unfortunately, Easter Road, their first one especially, was that. Their second one is going to, you know, sometimes when a boy hits a half volley like that, that happens. So, at this point, a, a, a point on that day, you could say, fine, because of the circumstances. John, we both know, having, having officiated many games, that, that John Lundstrom is extremely harshly treated by Willie Collum. I feel that Willie Collum over-officiates. I feel that he's aggressive. I don't think he gives himself time. We've seen other circumstances. Conor Goldson at Parkhead. We saw Leon King, Leon King um, on Saturday do the exact same kind of tackle and properly get dealt with. That's where the frustration comes. In terms of Alfredo Morelos at this point, completely let the team down. Attitude-wise, when he came on, he was looking to argue with the referee. You know, he didn't look as sharp. He was. I thought that he was unfit. And actually, Cammy, on the Monday, I kind of had a wee bit of a pop at Alfredo Morelos in terms of his attitude towards the the team and towards his teammates. You know, at 10 men, we need everybody. And he, and he let them down. I didn't know what was going to come next. I had no inkling that this was going to be, that Gio, in fact, shared that opinion. But it was a really ballsy move from him because if it had backfired and we go to Eindhoven, you know, he's basically made, you know, a rod for his own back. But it worked out. Antonio Cholak got the big goal, got the big moment. And I'll come to Cholak, in, or maybe we can come to Cholak in a, in a wee bit. But in terms of Alfredo Morelos, I love him. I think he's our best striker. I think on form, he's our talisman. I think he gives so much to the team. But at this moment in time, I think he's letting people down. I know he's getting back to where he should be, but it shouldn't have taken another jolt from the manager, another public, not flogging, but another public intervention, rather, you know, of, of his character to get him back in line. That's disappointing. We're not talking about Alfredo Morelos' 21-22 anymore. So that's where it becomes difficult. I don't think it's a, 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 a career Rangers ender or anything. I don't think anything like that. But it gets to a point where Alfredo needs to Make sure it's his last time that he lets us down like that. I repeat what I say. You know, he, he is so important to us and we all want him back and firing. But, Cammy, we're now at the middle of September and he's still trying to get there. And that's a big thing. I think he's four or five weeks over where he should be. And, and that's disappointing and frustrating. And we need him. So, 
With regards to how Giovanni Van Bronckhurst handled it or handles any other disciplinary moments in the squad, I back the manager every single time. And if he's brave enough to do that, then I've got to back him. So I don't have an issue with how he done it, Cammy. I don't have an issue with with what happened. My issue lies solely with Alfredo Morelos, but it isn't for me. And I repeat what I said, because it got because I criticised him, it got a wee bit lost, and I have tried to clarify and, and say to people, you really need to read what's there. But it's not a career ender for me at Rangers. It's not a blame factor. It's a simple observation that we can get a lot more out of Alfredo Morelos, and he can give a lot more, Cammy. And I think at this point, we're entitled to think we should be getting a wee bit more out of him. But I don't know how you you would feel in terms of, you know, obviously, if you look at Easter Road, you've officiated the John Lundstrom one. We're both going to agree. Alfredo Morelos, we're both going to agree, I should imagine. And then, you know, how Giovanni Van Bronckhurst has handled it. You know, you might have a different opinion. No, listen, I think, I think you know, the money, I think what's great about being able to try and do... Uh, some some recap shows such as this and be able to try and talk about the picture holistically is that you know we're, we're fortunate enough that we've now seen him uh, getting back to where you you know exactly as you said there about where he can cause trouble because he, he did it against Napoli and I think uh, with the benefit of hindsight now I think the manager handled it in the right way and he, and he, he how many times have we never been aware of any problems because typically it's all dealt with in-house and I think that the manager did the right thing by making some of that public. Um, I think the 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 vast majority of the support, I, I, I didn't hear too many differing opinions from the support not backing the manager in terms of what he did. Uh, of course, we have the benefit of having Antonio Cholak has come in, who I think has hit the ground running. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, so I think it was absolutely absolutely the right thing to do he let us down at Easter Road but then equally I thought he played very very well against Napoli he gave us an outlet one I mean I, I forget to count but so many headers when the balls were coming and he, and he brought us back into play where uh, you know it's a key part of his game and, and and probably not so much what we look to to use Cholak for so that's exactly what we wanted from him and I think that uh, you know when we get the opportunity to see where we were from a kind of then to now situation, this is where it, it certainly helps us with that. Um, and, I, and I do think the manager, you know, handled it in the, in the correct way. I think that the players handled it in the right way as well. Um, it, it feels from what we're seeing from the group that, you know, things are put in the past and we take it from there. But again, you know, we've we've taken care of Alfredo Morelos. We have given him, you know, contract extensions, enhancements, etc. Um and we've, we've, to a certain extent, mothered him because he has been a young guy when he came to us and we did support him and we did take care of him in the right way. And that's what a good club does, right? That's what a responsible club does. But at the same point, I think that his frustrations came to the boil and as a result of that, that, that has been exhibited in his actions. However, uh, much as we would like to, we can't really talk about it, unfortunately. A trip to Parkhead beckoned after uh, we comfortably put uh, Queen in the South out of the League Cup and the first Old Firm game of the season. And Stevie, this was not pretty viewing. I think we were looking for uh, a response um, with the, the game uh, at the turn of the year uh, in, our, in our memories. 
and uh, yeah, Rangers did not turn up on this day. This is probably one of the poorest old firm um, performances uh, by Rangers. I think I can I can remember certainly within uh, very recent years. I think one of the things that we'd spoken about, Stevie, in terms of our more recent history, and you know we talk about the banter years and all of that kind of stuff as well. I think the problem we had is that this is a very different. Uh, sense of loss within this old fun game um, because it just felt like we were pretty weak there was too many times for me where I think that we looked towards the referee to be able to try and get a decision when in actual fact you've just got up and gone with it we weren't alert we were asleep at set pieces uh, which absolutely didn't help us we didn't deal with the restart of the game whether it's from a throw in a free kick or whatever and we paid the price for that and there's a part of me which thinks that you know even when you're talking about a huge financial gap that we had when we were coming through our journey against you know Brendan Rodgers team that was was full of as we've now seen you know multi-million pound players then you kind of allow the fact that there will be a gulf but what happened um at the beginning of September in that old firm game was was not that this was just a a real lack of awareness, a real lack of strength, of unity. Um, and again, very, very disappointing from a team that, as as you've just rightly said, we know can play much better and perform much better on the day. Yeah, sadly, um, the performance was disgraceful. And that's a difficult word to use. But when you're looking for them to have carried on what they've built in the last two or three games against Celtic, where I'm not going to sit and say they've had the upper hand, but they showed resilience in the semi-final to go on and be the better team and go through. At Parkhead in the 1-1 game again, they've they've gone on and come into the game, finished it really strongly. Arguably that day, Cammy should have and probably could have won the game in the last half an hour. And then at Ibrox in the 2-1 defeat, albeit it was a defeat, but there was positive signs as well that we were beginning to get to terms with their style. The biggest issue I had is the, the stuff you spoke about. None of it was a surprise. We knew that they would come 100 miles an hour. We knew that we had to get switched on. We knew that we had to get through the first 20, 30 minutes and then begin to impose ourselves on the game. None of it was different from the games that we've played them you know, four times before this year. None of that was was a surprise, but it was almost like it was a surprise to those that were playing. Every single goal was a mistake on our on our behalf, which is really difficult for me to to comprehend and, and understand, especially the level of mistake, you know, to be switching off at throw-ins is schoolboy stuff. And and what what we saw was just a complete disconnect but the team from start to finish and we had we had small moments you know Borna Barisic who has, has perhaps been one of our brightest players in, in recent weeks you know produces a lovely cross and Antonio Cholak if he if he if he gets a wee bit more in that header maybe the game's different and and apart from that that was it we crawled in our shell we gave away some horrendous goals we were weak in the tackle we didn't track runners. We didn't switch on. We lost our, our shape. We lost our discipline. I have issues with a team that Van Bronckhurst picked for that game. He tried to do almost a mirror image 
of of what happened in February, team wise, selection wise. He, he he was a bit bolder than perhaps he should have been, and unfortunately we were completely swamped. There's I don't want to get in a situation, Cammy, where on a show like this we we pick out players and and say that certain players are underperforming. But it would be remiss of me not to say that on this day. Ryan Kent's performance was as bad as I've ever seen, and unfortunately, he's not quite recovered. Glenn Kamara, exactly the same. Putting Tillman out right to accommodate people didn't work. And it wasn't something that was new, which is really disappointing from Van Bronckhurst, because having got a formula that worked, or a, or a, a system that worked before, he's put in players that aren't able to carry that out. Now, Tillman isn't a guy that's going to track back. He isn't a guy that's going to dig in. It was the exact same as putting Ahmed Diallo in back in February, and he's not learned a lesson. The midfield, Glenn Kamara in there, asking to to track runners and things, it's the exact same as February when he didn't perform and got taken off as well. So when you're not learning from a managerial point of view, and when a team's coming out and we're all saying, well, this has got red flags all over it, that's where I've got issues with Van Bronckhurst. I know what he's trying to do, but this isn't something that he hasn't tried before and shouldn't have learned lessons, Cammy. Now, it's all right me sitting here, you know, a degree in football manager and knowing nothing and, and trying to question a guy like Van Bronckhurst. It's not like that. I'm a big fan of Van Bronckhurst, but there's certain things that he's doing which I don't understand, especially when I feel like he's done it before. So that's a that's a big problem for me that day, as well as the team not performing and they didn't, and individually, it started a bit of a decline in, in certain players. I think it started with the management wrong system, wrong wrong individuals, and that's difficult. So that was a I'm like you, you know, we we had some horror shows in the last five six years you know, Marty time and everything else. And I, I, I stood there when we could beat 5-0 there. So I, I know how low it can be. That was every bit as bad in terms of a, a toothless Rangers performance. I can accept getting beat. I can't accept the levels that we, we had that day, can I? But also, just before we come on to Geo, and I think a little bit more of, of, of what everyone has kind of been talking about recently, brings us on uh, to this weekend past, which was against Dundee United, obviously the planned game against uh, Aberdeen and Pataudry, uh, rearranged due to Her Majesty. Um, Stevie, I think... Um, the, the the game against Dundee United, it's been interesting because, uh, you know, we, we conceded 11 goals in three games up to this point uh, in both the Champions League and obviously that uh, game at Parkhead. Um, it's unnatural for us to be able to go on such a, a, a series of heavy losses. So therefore, I think, uh, you know, several people, myself included, wanted to, to see Van Bronckhurst take the handbrake off, uh, but able to go out there and put out a little bit of a statement. Um, walking out of Ibrox on Saturday, I don't really feel that we got what I was looking for, certainly in terms of a really strong, strong performance. Um, but it's a win. And, you know, we try and look in the positives. It was it was necessary. I think Dundee United are, are, are 
clearly going through a little bit of reformation at the moment because they are still looking to be able to try and replace Jack Ross. Liam Fox has stepped into that. He's trying to make a claim for himself to be able to get that job on a full-time basis. So, you know, I've got zero doubt that he obviously had the motivation uh, for his players out on the pitch. But then at the same point, even if uh, you do get a highly motivated Dundee United team, we should still be able to deal with them fairly easily. And there was a couple of moments on Saturday, Stevie, where... I just felt, as as we are prone to do at times, uh, we made it a little bit harder for ourselves than we really had to. There was maybe a little bit of, of you know, sloppy finishing at times that didn't really see us um, put the result to bed and look to be able to try and express ourselves a little bit more. Uh, before we step on to Geo, I do think it is worth the call out the fact that um, I think a good decision, I think a brave decision, uh, to start Leon King and Charlie McCann. I know that people have been calling out for, for more of that. Um, I thought McCann played okay. I think he, some of his finishing was a little bit wavered. Um, but I, I don't think it looked beyond him. Uh, King, I think we are starting to rely on more and more. Um, and the, I think the, the, the general feeling I got, and I think speaking to people after the game, etc., was... Yeah, it wasn't the greatest of performances. We understand that. But maybe we just felt the the result was the most important thing and and been able to get that. Now, as I said to you at the time of recording, we were doing this on Sunday evening, earlier on this afternoon, uh, Celtic uh, lost 2-0 to St Mirren uh, and Paisley. So I can't really sit here, Stevie, and say, well, listen, you know, I'd love four, five, six goal wins. We've had a couple of 4-0s already at Ibrox this season. I think it was really about being able to try and just get the three points as a bare minimum, but also look to be able to try and see if we can get a bit of confidence back in the group. I just didn't feel like we managed to really put that over the line, if I'm being honest. No, we didn't, and that's that's all fair. But you know, 24 hours makes a huge difference to the to the mindset. And the, the, you know, when when I watched the game back, I, watching it yesterday, I was really unhappy. I thought it was turgid and slow. Tempo was poor, and I'll come to that in a wee second. But we created half a dozen excellent chances. Ryan Kent should score after 90 seconds. Arfield should score after six minutes. Then we do score, which is a really nice goal. Arfield is then in on the right-hand side after 20-odd minutes. Counter that, they had one good chance on Middleton, or a half chance, which McGregor says was feet. Second half, we go quickly 2-0 up. Ryan Kent's got another opportunity. Then we concede, and we fall back a wee bit, and there's... There's definite issues. There's there's a fragility about confidence, not only on the pitch, but also in the stands, which obviously gets through to them. But even after that, we create two or three opportunities. Charlie McCann swipes it at thin air when he's, you know, in front of goal. No criticism, the young man, just pointing out. Um, and then we've, we've got a header from, from Tillman that gets tipped over. So I don't think there was a lack of chances or creativity because we've sat here before and talked about games where we've done nothing Cammy so I don't think it was like that but there's a definite fragility which you would expect a wee bit of indecision you know there was opportunities for through balls there was opportunities for a wee bit of a braver pass that we didn't take there was opportunities for shots at the edge of the box a lot especially in the first half which we didn't take either so there there is positives from that you know when you look at the bigger picture and and yeah, I'm not going to lie, it's easier now and we're all in a better frame of mood now to, to perhaps reflect on it. The issues that I've got again yesterday is that there was points during the game where people are standing still 
collecting the ball, standing still. Too many touches. We're not quick enough. We're not moving the ball quick enough. And it goes back to what we said, what I said about Easter Road. That second goal, the goal at home to PSV when Cholak scores. When we move the ball quickly and zip it about and move, pass and move, we are a good side. We've got good players. Now, I know we miss Tom Lawrence. Tom Lawrence is a huge miss because he's got... When we first talked about it on the first show, we, we said that Tillman and, and Lawrence were quite alike in terms of positional-wise and that, but I said that I felt that Tom Lawrence had a wee bit more grit and, and whereas Tillman was a wee bit more flamboyant. Now, that was based on 30 minutes of play, but it, it turns out that I think that's not far away from where we are. We miss the incisiveness of Tom Lawrence. He's very direct. And I think if you had him nipping about the edge of that box yesterday, you're a different team. So yesterday's selection, I said I said pre-match on, on heart and hand that I thought it was negative. I stand by that. Jack Lundstrom McCann is overkill in that match. But I can see why he's done it. Understand why he's done it, because we're fragile and confidence is a bit low. And he admitted as such pre-match, eh, post-match, sorry. He admitted that that's where the indecision comes for from and that's where the confidence comes and stuff like that. Every single one of us wanted another 4-0 yesterday and at 2-0 we probably started to hunt it a wee bit more than we should and we get caught and we shouldn't. wanted them to be a wee bit more compact in a scenario like that and we weren't. So, you know, there's there's building blocks, there's things to work on. We lose a poor goal. There's a couple of heart and mouth moments where they're kind of dribbling in the box. I don't think they were penalties but you never know when you're 2-1 of, of what can happen when Kevin Clancy's the match official. They got a couple of corners late on, you know, and, and but defensively the last couple of games from corners and set pieces have been a lot better. They've changed that shape. So that's a progression. You know, Gio, as, as much as, as we criticise, we talked about this yesterday a wee bit, David and I, that at least he does change. So he, he's moved away from zonal marking, which we're pleased about, and we've seen an instant kind of uptake and defensively so we don't want to polish something that, that that can't be polished but when you listen to this I hope that people realise that, that what we're saying is that it's not good enough it's not the standards but there isn't in my opinion a reason to be completely negative on it because there is positives there chances created scored two good goals the overlaps of Barisic are really starting to, to threaten there is issues. Player performance, I think that Ryan Kent's in a real slump of form now, which is worrying. Defensively, we're still to get the right shape. Midfield-wise, the, the the shape isn't right either, or, or not necessarily the shape, but in terms of personnel, perhaps isn't where we want to be when Tom Lawrence comes back and things that'll change. So, three points yesterday, Cammy, as you said, absolutely vital. Do we want better? Of course we want better, but without over-egging it, and we've been able to calm down of instant kind of reaction. There's negatives and there's positives for me. And hopefully people understand what, what I'm trying to say there. No, listen, I think that's totally fair. Sometimes it can be the case that, you know, you want to be able to, to just go out to really put teams to the sword. We've got previous, we've done the United. I think we saw... Well, certainly heard as well the disgraceful um, behaviour from their fans during the minute silence. So that gave us a little bit of kind of added incentive, should we needed one, to to go out and and as I say, put 
put out a strong performance against them. Um, it's a return to a welcome return to a form. I think a welcome return as well, Stevie, to the fact that our fullbacks, who I don't think have been phenomenal in terms of their overall delivery across the course of this season thus far, um, set up both goals. Um, so, yeah, again, it's things like that that you want to be able to try and see us get back to. And, and as you rightly say, the improvement on uh, set pieces, it, it shows that we can we can put some of what we're doing um, on the on the training fields into into practice on the park and a, on a Saturday as well. So, yeah, very interesting to see where we now will turn to after Celtic have, have, have dropped points. Um, it brings the title race a little bit back more into focus. I know that there's been a lot of conversations in the wider world of, you know, well, the league's over and blah, blah. Nothing is over in September. So, again, like you say, that's um, certainly opened that back up again slightly. We've spoken a little bit um, across the course of, of the last 30 minutes, Stevie, about um, the manager. Uh, he is a month shy of, of being here for a year. And I'm just keen to try and get your thoughts on some of the stuff that we've we've discussed, whether or not it's going to be from his uh, approach to games, uh, how he's handled particular situations. He has come under a lot of criticism. Um, I think some of it uh, has been a little bit exaggerated. I think some of it is justified. Um, we will come on to some of the wider arching issues in just a moment regarding... Uh, recruitment and obviously the, the the new signings coming in, where we're at with the current playing staff, etc. But um, are you feeling that that Van Bronckhurst is the man that's going to be able to try and and continue to lead this charge? Do you think that he's potentially got his jacket and a sugar league peg? Is our our favourite Scottish saying? Where do you stand with him? Now you've obviously get the benefit. Um, of being able to, to to see him in the press matches, uh, the, the, the 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 press conferences, seeing him in the flesh, been able to try and get a feel for the body language, been able to try and get an understanding in terms of uh, his, his exhibition of self-belief, I suppose is probably the best way I can put it. What's your thoughts in terms of where he's at so far? A year into the job, give or take, it's 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 had its real highlights and lowlights, I think, in some some cases. Yeah, it certainly has. I'll start by saying I really like Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. He's he's a really nice man to deal with. He he gives you respect. Um, he, he doesn't ever kind of speak down to you. I'll come to the press conferences in a wee bit. I think he leads Rangers properly. I think he's, you know, a, a very good ambassador for the club and everything that you would want outside of the actual management stuff. And that's important because and people will say, oh, you know, you're just saying that for the reason. It's all important to represent Rangers the right way. So managerial-wise, ticks a number of boxes. Where I have concerns are obvious ones. In Europe, I don't have any concerns over what Van Bronckhurst does. I think he's proved himself there. And I think that he... Ironically, you know, we go to PSV and we're much more expansive in attacking than we did when we go to Easter Road. This is where the issue comes for me. Domestically, is he the right man? The answer is, Cammy, that I, I can't tell you he is. His away record isn't good enough. You know, calendar year, I think we're at 13 away league performances and we've only won six of them. So, you know, it's been a few weeks since I did those numbers, so that might be slightly off here or there, so I apologise for that. But I'm sure it's 13, six wins, five draws, two defeats. 
So that that's problematic. The way away form isn't good enough. Not only the way form, the way performances at home in Ibrox were generally fine. Aside of the, the defeat to Celtic, and I think Motherwell two two is the only places where we've dropped under them. It's not always been good, but it, it's it's been it's been fairly comfortable. Now I've said that I've I've seen the last couple of days, and this is what I think that you're right. And people have said how many times have we played well under Van Bronckhurst? We shouldn't confuse that with with the slump we're in at the moment because I've seen over the last almost year that he's been here lots of good performances at home. You know, um, St Johnston, Dundee, um, just before Christmas, St Mirren on on Boxing Day. These are all good performances, um, two three nil victories, um, which could have been a lot more. We beat Hearts five nil. You know, we we done well to beat Hibs. I think we beat Hibs 2-1. It, it was a fairly good performance and things, although it wasn't 4-5-0. We've done well at Europe at home. So we are strong and I don't have any concerns. My, my big concerns with Gio is away form. My, also my big concern with Gio is, and I've, I've, I've actually spoken to this about him. I've spoken to him about this and it's tempo. It's how we start games. It's how we start away games. That, that's a big issue for me under Van Bronckhurst. If he can somehow rectify that, then I'd like to think that as the squad begins to settle down, which it will over the next month or so before we then hit the break, he'll get a better idea of, of where he is. Um, Selection-wise, I've got issues with, with what he's doing. I think he's got blind spots for some players, which, you know, it's, it's so easy for me to sit here and say I would do X, Y and Z. You've got to try and trust him. But I think there's players there that, that shouldn't be playing and perhaps need to come out. There's there's now a depth of of numbers which he can he can call upon, which he isn't doing as well, which we'll come to in the recruitment side of it. That's that's an issue. So people have said that it's it's boring football, it's turgid football and it, and it hasn't been the best quality. I get that. I understand that. Um, away form is, is really where we need to pick up. I'm not of the position where I'm ready to put him out the door or anything like that. I think that would be hugely unfair. We have lost against Napoli, we've lost against Ajax, and we've lost away to Celtic. These are games that we could lose, even if we were playing brilliantly at any point in the calendar year. So, he's taken us to a European final, he's qualified for the Champions League. Domestically, league-wise, it's not been up to scratch yet. So that's where the issues are. I think that's a, a, a you know, a, a okay position to be in with regards to how you think about the manager. I think a lot of people would be sitting there going, yeah, maybe think the same. With regards to Gio and, and press conferences and that, as I said, he's been good. We've, we've went at Gio a wee bit. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of fan media. We don't ask tough questions. In the last week, Market follow follow questioned on him and his philosophy. David questioned on him on, on Dan Davis the other night. I questioned on his recruitment and why we had seven new signings and none of them are starting for a big game against Napoli. So he's uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable when he answered those because I think Gio realizes that that you know that, that, uh, there is points, but he doesn't like like you know why no manager like me at my job I don't like being questioned either it's natural but I think that if you watch how he responded to them he was a wee bit irked and a wee bit kind of miffed I've not seen that yet from Van Bronckhurst so that was a different side to him but he never he never spoke as badly he never spoke down to us or anything but he was robust he was defensive so I get that but 
you know, there's it's, it's limited, Cammy, to what we can ask. You know, you, you you don't want to, like yesterday. So you've actually got them sitting there admitting that we were indecisive, admitting there's a confidence issue, admitting that performances aren't up to scratch. And we've, we've asked them questions like, how do you how do you sort that? You know, what do you do? How do you regroup them? How do you get the confidence back? I don't think in a position like yesterday it would have done us any favour to go and two-foot them, to go in hard and, and, and whatever. So we, we, I took a decision not to ask them for an injury update at the end because most, most of the questions and stuff we wanted to know were there. So overall, you know, I've went round the houses slightly and I'm not meaning to, but I'm, I'm trying to be fair. It would be really easy for us to sit here and go, I think Van Brockhurst is a dud. You can put him out because his league form isn't good enough. But that's reactionary. It's not taking everything into account. We've went through a really difficult spell of games. You know, Champions League's going to do that. And by the way, see when we come up against a Liverpool doubleheader, it'll probably happen again. You've got Tynecastle away in there as well. Liverpool is not as important. Sorry for saying this, but it's not as important at winning at Tynecastle and then winning at home at St Mirren. If he does that, no matter what happens in the Champions League, the reaction won't be as high. We go to Tynecastle and don't win. People are going to keep saying, your away record isn't good enough, we're not playing well enough, etc. We can be better. We can move the ball quicker. The tempo's got to be better. We've got to be more assured in our performances. But we have got there under Van Bronckhurst at times. I think at other times he's a wee bit defensive. So, yeah, I'm still on the, I'm still on the bench domestically with, with Gio, but I'm nowhere near at the point and, and listen we all moan at times and moan at games and everything else but I'm not anywhere near the point where I'm ready to put him out the door or turn my back on him but I think it's absolutely right and I think it's absolutely fair to be unsure or questioning domestically where we are I don't know what you make of that Cammy. I'm, I'm sorry if I've kind of went around the houses a wee bit I've, I've tried to explain a kind of wider not be reactive to performances over the last few weeks but explain wider you know, what Van Bronckhurst brings to the table. So I hope people kind of understand that. I'm not making excuses for him domestically. You know, we, we need to pick that up. But does that make sense to you, Cammy? And where are you with it all? No, listen, it makes perfect sense. I think I think the reactionary uh, element of it is, is always going to be there. And I think um, what's important is, and, and listen, I couldn't agree more with the, the whole, you know, Tynecastle is more important than Anfield. There's, there's absolutely no way around that. Um, I think that it's it's interesting to me when we talk about how Gio approaches particular games, and I don't mean in terms of just like you know the personnel or whatever, because we'll come on to recruitment next. I just feel at times if it's someone had said to me before where he can be a very good cup manager, and I think David has made that point before, um, where it can feel so much like uh. His strength is in being able to galvanise a group that if you've got a 90-minute game that to cause an effect is a shootout, perhaps a second leg or whatever, that you've got the opportunity to be able to try and go and really achieve something moving on to the next level, that's fine, but it's transactional. And the difference between that and the league is that you can't, you can't go into like the last quarter of a season saying, yeah, all these games are now important because whether we realise it or not, and, and fans will do this, right? And of course, it, everything's put into a microcosm because of the, the World Cup break this season. Um, but, you know, we talk about the amount of runner games that we're going to have across, you know, the next X amount of weeks or whatever. And we do it naturally, right? We will say, well, we've got 
a trip to Pataudry, then we're away to Tynecastle, and then we've got such and such at home. But, you know, if we can get 10 out of the next 15 points, that's really important. We usually end up doing that, Stevie, around about, you know, post-winter break time. But the point I'm trying to make is that I think that Geo at times, I, I think it's foolhardy to say that, you know, he's not got the dressing room behind him, all of that kind of stuff. That, to me, is where you, you, you probably see and hear the reactionary side of things. Because I don't think that that's true whatsoever. I really genuinely don't. I think the players have got a lot of respect for him. I think that he does conduct himself well. I agree entirely within that point. Um, there's been times where, and certainly I've been involved in it as well, where uh, under Gerard, uh, you know, you know that there was going to be some questions that he wasn't going to be comfortable answering. Um, but again, we asked it anyway because it was it was important. It, it, it had to be said. It had to be raised at the time. I think what will be interesting, what we can come on to next, then Stevie is is um, now where we're at in terms of the overall recruitment. Really keen to get your thoughts on, um, you know, how it's gone thus far. I think, and I will caveat this by saying, uh, like I said before, we are in September. Nothing is over yet. Uh, and equally the same point, I'm keen to understand if you share my viewpoint around uh, are you in a fair space where you can uh, criticise or make a serious evaluation on any of our new signings? Uh, where are you at with that? Where do you where do you see some of the players who have been able to play thus far? And overall, how do you think that the the, the summer window has worked? Well, I don't think it has but I don't necessarily buy into the fact that we've signed seven players that aren't good. So if we take Antonio Cholak, first of all, now we've finally got a guy that will hit the net, Cammy. He's there to do what he's supposed to do, which is score goals. We have said for years and years that we're too reliant on Alfredo Morelos, Kamar Roof can't be trusted, etc. with his fitness. So we have a guy now who looks like, by the way, any time that he gets a half chance, he will bury it. And I get people saying he doesn't contribute enough out of the box. Boy made a point to me yesterday in, in a press country that Antonio Cholak had touched the ball seven times up until about 30 minutes. And my reply to him is I couldn't care in the slightest. And that that's my point. Now, he's there to do what he's doing. We don't need Antonio Cholak dropping into a 10 position, linking up and doing all that kind of stuff. We need him poaching and leading the line and scoring the goals especially when we're a bit shy from other positions. If we had Ryan Kent or we had a right side that could pitch in, then I would say, excuse me, perhaps there's a point to that. But for me, Antonio Cholak has looked like he's repaid his money back already. Tapping in in Eindhoven, you know, the, the, the big moment. He's also tapped in one against USG at home. But there's the key point. He's tapping them in. And we've not had that. So I'm more than delighted with him. I think he'll hit big numbers for us. I think if you give him the ball in the box, he'll do things for us. So he's a win. He's a definite win. And he's going to continue to be a win. My issue then comes that when we came into the summer recruitment-wise, Cammy, we knew what we needed, which was the midfield needed to be strengthened. We needed a right-sided attacker. What we've got is a young boy on loan from from Bayern Munich who is going to take time to truly prosper. He's a bit of a project, but looks like a a fine player. A wee bit short on confidence at the moment, but 
that's going to happen with young boy. He's going to be up and down. But overall, he's going to be a win as well. Tom Warren's is going to be a win, a definite win. And then you, after that, this is problematic. So we've spent big money on Ben Davis. We've spent big money on Red Van Neumans. We've spent big money on Rabi Matondo. We haven't seen them yet. We needed a winger who was going to produce numbers. We haven't saw it yet. We needed a centre half to replace Calvin Bassey. We haven't saw it yet. Red Van Neumans, we can understand. We needed a left back. Borners came on to old Borner form. We couldn't really have predicted that. So Red Van's been allowed to have time to come in. He looked all right in the League Cup game, you know, albeit it's a League Cup game. Don't want to be disrespectful to Queen of the South. However, you know, he looked all right at that point. So he's a bit of a project. The issue comes when we don't spend money in midfield, when we don't spend money on a right winger, when we don't spend money after the Champions League qualification, people overreact to a situation. I think we should have spent if we could have. Turns out maybe we couldn't have. Fine, I understand that. That'll come to a wee bit of something we'll speak about perhaps in a minute. If we're spending £10 million, like we have on these three guys, they need to influence the team. That's my problem. We're now mid-September. I think there's been 13 um, first-team games so far, roughly. I've not doubly-checked that. These boys haven't haven't contributed. So we do have issues, especially when Ryan Kent's in a slump of form, Ravi Matondo yesterday not being able to get into the 20. Let's go back to what he said during the week to me about recruitment. One of his, his big things he said, and one of his big you know big reactions to that was, I asked him why none of the seven players were playing. Did we have an issue with recruitment? And he says, it doesn't work like that. I have two eyes. I can see how their performances are. I can see how they train. Now, I understand completely what he's saying. He picks the right team that he thinks. However, that statement there is quite damning. Because if Rabi Matondo can't get in a 20 yesterday and Fashion Sakala can and Ryan Kent isn't playing well, I mentioned Fashion Sakala, Cammy, because he's so far out of the picture, but yet he's still on that bench. That's problematic for me. When he's shoehorning John Lundstrom and, and, and James Sands into centre-back ahead of our four million centre-back, that's problematic for me. Red Van Yilmaz is different because Borna's in top form at the moment. He's assisting, he's doing well, you know, he, he nothing, he's overlapping well, he's a credible threat, he's performing well. So Yilmaz, put him to the side because I think it would be unfair to say he's a dud or he's this or he's that. Probably would have expected him to get game time, but when the boy in front of you is doing so well, you can afford him a wee bit more time and leeway. When we're getting issues at centre-back, when we're getting issues at wingers, when we're getting issues in midfield and these guys aren't contributing, that's my problem with recruitment. I understand we went early. I understand we went for the Champions League. I get all that. I completely understand all that. And that makes perfect sense. But if we've got a small budget, which we have in terms of relative terms, but we did still spend 12, 13 million, we've got to get the big signings right. And mid-September, can anybody honestly sit here and say that recruitment has worked well? Then when you peek into it wider, you look at January, we needed, we didn't get. Gio clearly didn't fancy the guys that had come in. There was four of them. There's now only James Sands left. <clears throat> we look back at the summer before. John Lundstrom's a bit of a given. He's worked out. 
you know, so Ross Wilson's overall record, I think there's 26 signings. And if you look at them, Cammy, and if you look at them properly, because people have been looking at them saying John McLaughlin's not worth it, Leon Balogun wasn't a success, Kamar Roof wasn't a success and stuff, that is a reactionary to everything that's went on. The key thing of the 26 is, and I think this is fair, less than 50% have hit the mark, and that is nowhere near good enough for a club like us that have a limited budget and have to get it right. And when you look over the road a couple of miles and see a manager with more influence and picking players that seem to hit the mark, that's where we ask questions because, like it or not, that's what we do as a fan base. So recruitment, there's massive questions over our scouting. There's massive questions over Ross Wilson, his position and and bringing players in. There's massive questions over Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's ability to bring players in. Is there wider issues further than that? We don't know. I'm not going to speculate. It would need somebody to sit down with both him and Ross Wilson and ask the direct questions. So I'm not going to throw it out there that there's things, you know, Gio's not involved or whatever. I think Gio's got to have a say. But when he says stuff like training and performances and what he can see, it doesn't paint a very good light. We had to get it right in the summer. Our big money signings had to come in and hit the ground running relatively as well as they could. I understand Rangers, etc. The only one it has is Antonio Cholak, Cami. So at this point in time, recruitment hasn't worked for me. Sorry if that's a bit negative. I'm sorry if it's a bit blunt, but that's where I am with it. I don't know where you are. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. It's negative. I think it's realistic. I, I would caveat uh, a lot of the transfer conversation because I've seen message boards, you know, social media, etc. And a lot of this is getting put towards Ross Wilson's door. And whilst that that has got a degree of merit. It's not, you know, Ross Wilson, the only guy saying, right, well, I'm going to go and look at, you know, 25 players and get an understanding of what I think of and then make decisions on the back of that. And it's by hook or by crook. You know, he has a scouting team. He has uh, recommendations. He has contacts. And, you know, that's that's part of how we'll do football. There's another part to that. And again, given a bit of kind of um, due care and attention uh, of the market that we can shop in, we can't due to FFP regulations, go out and say, right, well, if we get £25 million for qualifying for the Champions League, then we'll go out and spend £25 million. It doesn't work like that. We need to be able to try and make incremental uh, increases in terms of being able to try and work within a fairer market. That being said, Ross Wilson knew what he was coming into. He knew he wasn't coming into a club with high budget and high expenditure. And as a result of that, I think he knew what kind of market we were going to have to be shopping in. Um, I think that from my understanding, and again, this is an absolute, you know, nothing confirmed. This is just from what I have been led to believe at times and talking to a couple of different people. The the manager is obviously involved within the transfer and recruitment uh, piece, but obviously has brought recommendations in terms of what the scouting team and Wilson want to be able to to see in terms of improvements within the squad. Um and there's absolutely no doubt to my mind as well, Stevie, that part of that will be around, uh, you know, we want to sign this guy. We want to bring him in. We think that we can get a good deal on him. We think that we can take it from there, but he's not the finished article. And therefore, what we would need you to do as manager is work with your coaches, work with your staff, continue to develop them. Now, if we can flip them as a result of that model, then okay, fantastic. 
because if we see that improvement and we get it in there, then that's fine because that fits within what we also want to operate towards. And there's nothing wrong with that because you may be training and developing a player who ultimately you will have to sell on. There's nothing wrong with that. But equally, I think it shows a lot for you and your coaching staff if you are able to do so. So therefore, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Yes, you'll lose an asset, but at the same point as well, it will give you more money in your budget that can go towards your next acquisition. The problem for me at the moment in terms of where things sit just now is that, and I think you, you, you said this very well earlier on, we can see where there's clear problems right now. The right hand side is is absolutely an issue. I think that I am um, I get frustrated um, where we think that we should be able to bring someone in at that space and it hasn't quite worked. And people think, oh well, you know, it should have happened straight away. It doesn't work like that. I do understand that. The problem for me, I think, to snow Stevie is. What are we looking at that's actually going to make that any different? I am not one of these guys who just wants to have a go at Scott Wright all the time. Okay, I'm not. But at times, and I think including on Saturday's game against Dundee United, when he came on, he provided a bit of spark. That's fine, right? That's 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 good for him, and that's what I'm happy for him to do. I think that there'll be times where no one will give him credit for some of the stuff that he does. But at the same point as well, he's not an answer to a right-sided problem. Matondo, at the moment, and that's a very big at the moment, but doesn't appear to be the answer to that. So therefore, we still have this gap. We still have this vacancy that needs addressed. And that hasn't happened. Now, I'll also play fair because no one has a crystal ball and no one's going to be able to foresee what should have happened. But I think everyone listening to this and, and having watched what's happened recently in terms of the goalkeeping situation, no one's turned around and saying, well, we had an issue with goalkeepers last season. Now, I personally don't think that we should have extended McGregor's contract. As I've said that before. Um, I think that we need to do better in terms of, of having a defined number one. Um, because, And I think that the goalkeeping situation is something which uh, highlights very well where we're at at the moment. It feels a lot to me, Stevie, and I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on this, that we have players for a particular position and they can do some elements of that position and what's required. And then we have the other player who can do the other side of that particular position and those elements that are needed. So it's like one can do 35, 40, 50 percent of the job. The other can do the other 35, 40, 50 percent of the job. But yet we can't play both players in one position. So. I suppose really what I'm saying is I'd love it to be the case that we could bring in someone who is a definitive article. I've read a lot around the whole, the Tillman aspect of, well, why should we develop another club's player for him simply to go back if we're not potentially going to sign him when we could be developing our own players? And that's a very worthwhile argument. I do understand that. I don't expect players to be able to come in and hit the ground running, but what I don't want to see us doing, and this might be where we're at with, you know, we with Ridvan, potentially, I don't know, we haven't really seen a fair crack of, uh, of him, Matondo certainly, where we're bringing in project players that we think that we can continue to develop. And that's fine if you've got a, a, a first-team uh, reliable performer in front of them who can be there so that if, you know, you can play the, the, the second select uh, in, in cup games, if there's an injury and needs to be able to try and bring in cover, as we've probably seen more so with Leon King, that's fine if 
you've got a regular starter ahead of him. And for centre half, right wing, I don't believe we've resolved those issues. And those issues have been there for at least a year. At least. And I think that's where I've got big concerns. I don't know if that's maybe unduly unfair. Again, I give the idea that we can't predict certain positions may be problematic. But we seem to have solved the striker one because we had a single point of failure in there. Because um, as I've said to you before, and I've said many times, no one would be able to convince me that if Alfredo Morelos played in Seville, we would have uh, we wouldn't have been able to win the Europa League. I, I am absolutely certain we would have won that final. But we didn't have another striker that could come in and step in for him. Cholak has hit the ground running. Phenomenal. We've ticked that box. But yet we've still got major issues in other parts of the squad that haven't been addressed. Yeah, and I think all that's fair. I think it kind of balances what I'm trying to get at as well with regards to, you know, if you're spending money, we really have to get those right. We could sit here, though, when it comes to the next time we record, you know, in a month's time, heading towards Qatar and the World Cup and stuff like that, and Ben Davis could have played eight games and absolutely smashed it out of the park, and we'll be sitting here going, well, Gio's played that perfectly. So football can change in, in a, you know, in 90 minutes. So... It's not a case of writing them off. It's more a case of saying that at the moment in time, you know, I would agree with what you're trying to say as well, that that's where people say we've got so many defensive midfielders and it's kind of right because, you know, if we could merge a couple of them, they would be the complete player. So I get it and and understand. And it's a frustrating point at this moment, you know, because the club would say, back to us that, you know, a year ago we thought John Lundstrom wasn't good enough or we thought Calvin Bassey wasn't good enough. So we know how quickly it can change, but we do need to start seeing uh, an upturn in in, in these guys. And, and it is con- the, the comments from Gio are concerning. The, the, the refusal to pick these guys is also a wee bit concerning. If it's a you know a getting up to speed fitness thing etc I understand that but I offered them that was a caveat a midweek when I kind of went at him a wee bit with that question I said is it a performance thing do you have an issue with recruitment or are we still at the speed or are we still getting up to speed fitness wise and things so that answer was was it didn't it led a lot to read into, which is, is, is difficult at the moment, especially with the noise around the club. And we both know as well, if if, if we had somehow managed to get four results, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about why Rabi Matondo isn't playing. So it's a, it's an issue now because we're not performing. But I'm, I'm still I'm still of the I'm still of the opinion that we need to start seeing a return from from our summer investments, especially when we didn't have a lot. We can't be in a situation where we're going into January and needing another three or four players, as it looks like at the moment, or needing to rectify two or three positions. So recruitment-wise, it's it's one that we're going to have to come back to. I think, you know, in six weeks' time, the picture could look completely different. But at this moment in time, it's, it's not nearly good enough in terms of, of where, we, where we're sitting. We're probably, out of the seven that got in, we're probably looking at about 50%. Of, of being where we need to be and still the big positions like you point out which we've known for the last god knows how long you know we haven't spent anything in a midfielder since in fact the last time we signed somebody was Charlie McCann you know and, and that shows you so 
There's still more questions, Cammy, unfortunately, than answers. No, listen, I think that's fine, but when we we'll, we'll wrap up, Stevie, I think to to continue asking a little bit more of those questions because I want to try and look at some larger piece in terms of where the clubs are at the. Uh, and I think one of the things that's kind of frustrated me within recent weeks um, has been, I think that there's been some some big issues and some smaller issues that we've not really been addressing across where the support have been impacted. Um, I'm going to kick this off probably from the latest debacle uh, which has happened since we last recorded, um, not just on, a, on, on one particular occasion, but on quite a few, which was... Uh, our travel partner was CTM clubs, the club's official travel partner. Um, there were due to be uh, various different flight options for being able to go away against uh, USG, against uh, PSV, and I think the most cataclysmic one uh, was uh, the day trip which was planned for Amsterdam, which uh, had various updates happening as the date get closer to it. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, I'll, I'll just quickly kind of explain what the day trip is. Um, for anyone unable to, to make their own independent way of being able to go over to our European away games, our travel partner CTM will provide uh, same day uh, transport back and forth uh, to the away game. It doesn't include your match ticket, obviously, but you can still apply for that through normal channels at the club. But you typically leave Glasgow early doors back of six o'clock, half past six kind of time. Um, you make the journey, you're over in the in the host city. Uh, for the vast majority of the day, you hit the game, and then as soon as the game's done, uh, you are on a coach, then straight back to the airport. Now, typically, this is uh, fairly straightforward. However, Stevie, the um, Ajax debacle started when um, the, the trip was now not flying into Amsterdam, uh, going into Schiphol, one of the world's largest airports, um, but was going to go into Belgium instead. And then those on the trip were going to be bussed from Belgium into the Netherlands. Uh, that then um, also had the added incentive of you weren't going to be returning back into Glasgow, you were going to be flying back into Presswick. Um, and then I think I'm right in saying about 12 hours beforehand with people, uh, in hotels at Glasgow Airport, CTM announced that they were then cancelling the trip. Now, I'll also put that into, as I said to you beforehand, the really large problems such as that, because these trips typically are about £600 to £700 pounds as an outlay, and you'll take up to three to five days to get that money back, which means that even when you're committed to it and they cancel it, it's such short notice you basically then have to spend the same amount, if not even more, having to rearrange it uh, and be able to get there independently. And as we all know, uh, airlines are pretty much, uh, will gouge you for prices the minute that your um, fixture is announced because they know that prices will go through the roof because the demand will increase. But then I'll take you on to something else as well, Stevie, that happened during the, the Ajax game, which was as we were getting roundly turned over by Ajax, um, in the second half, payment started to come out for the season review of um, our 55th league win, uh, which was disastrous timing. 
Um, and I think for me, there's, I mean, there's been a number of other issues as well in terms of being able to try and sort out Champions League tickets at Ibrox. People were having major issues with that. They've had issues in terms of MyJail's access for being able to try and get some of those tickets. We're now at a stage as well where I believe that the club have uh, reopened the ticket office uh, for staff to, to, to be on site um, for supporters to be able to get in to deal with that. Um, on Wednesday evening, uh, I know of um, at least uh, one lady who uh, has three season tickets uh, in, I believe it's the main stand. Uh, her, her uh, husband and daughter all went up to their usual seats, uh, or tried to at least, because they were then um, had issues being able to get access at the turnstile. They were able to get into the stadium. They got to their seats only to find a gentleman sitting in their seat who bought it from part of the return tickets when we um, obviously weren't going to uh, have any away fans in the stadium. Tickets became available. Apparently, he bought it in that sale. So, and there's picture evidence of this that she was able to provide us, that um, the one seat with an Ibrox that was now sold for £130 because it was it had been sold twice. Things like this need to be able to try and get addressed and... I suppose I wanted to put it to you, Stevie, in terms of what we've spoken about with, within the club of really small but also very large problems that just seem to not be able to get addressed. Now, I'm not suggesting that Stuart Robertson should be the guy who should be turning around and dealing with all of this. I don't even necessarily think he should take a board member. What I do think, however, is that someone somewhere within Ibrox at a pretty decent level has to turn around and say, we will get these problems captured we will get awareness of them and we will sort them um i think ctm should be removed immediately as a club travel partner because it's been a litany of mistakes from them but it's just the other thing stevie that just it, it starts to exasperate the goodwill that this board has and it does have a lot of goodwill it has a lot of support from people but when you start getting really pissed off because you can't get tickets into a game or because your ticket's been sold to someone else or because, like I say, you can't speak to anyone at the ticket office because maybe going through to Ibrox, taking a half day from work isn't convenient. It just feels to me like these things are, are what really rankle supporters and just really get them into a stage where they feel like the board and the club are not listening. Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. When you don't address the small issues they become big issues. And if you look at the things that have happened in the last six months, Australia, then we had the whole um, public press release things, you know, rump fans and all this stuff. Fan engagement, customer service, ticket office, club website, travel European partners, Castor, Edmondson House, Champions Wall, Safe Standing, Disabled Access, Miseers, this is all things that people have complained about. Now, these are all, how do I put this? Because it's not minor points to people, but in a bigger scale of our club, they're minor things. But when you allow a void, people will fill it. And it, most, most, most times you fill it with nonsense. But as a club, we need to, more, maybe, we need to be far more proactive in terms of our engagement with the support, and I don't mean lip service of a few fan engagement things. I mean properly having people that are accountable, and you can say, right, oh, you've got an issue with tickets, etc. Go and speak to that person because they'll sort it for you. And if they can't, they'll flag it, but you'll get an answer. 
and get somebody to help you immediately. If you've got an issue with um, the club website or the ticket office, stuff like that, go and speak to this person. The problem is at the moment, there's a complete disconnect. We get people coming on and asking us on social media, how do you sort this problem? I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. You know, it's not fan media's responsibility to act on behalf of the club, but we end up, you know, we end up doing it. And there's certain people on on Twitter that that provide probably more information for the support than the club do, and that's not a good look. And when things go wrong on the pitch, because ultimately little problems off the pitch, nobody cares if you're winning on it. So I, you know, I'm sorry, that's just the blunt truth of it. But when you go through a spell where we have done and it hits the rock somewhat, and you suffer a few big defeats, especially against them, then people will start snowballing, and people will start overreacting, and people will start pulling it all together and saying, this club's just a mess. I don't think this club is a mess, but I think it's disconnected from the support. That's something that I'd tell the club if I'd sat right in front of them. Now, you, I don't, I don't think there's any, any argument over the, the travel European partner. They should have been bin last year the stuff that went wrong there. They should be gone. The club had an instant easy win there a couple of days later by saying that arrangement's finished, that arrangement's over. They should have come out and said they should have dealt with it. We've then created 10 days of silence or two weeks of silence, whatever it is since Ajax, and people are still pissed off. Then you get other wee moments like, you know, the ticket the ticket website, people not being able to log in, people... You know, errors on the on the basket, having to tell people to to clear and log back in and stuff. You know, it's simple stuff. And there's like, who do we speak to about this? Who do we go to? There's a real disconnect, and that has got to improve. As I said, I'm I'm not going to sit here and complain and two foot people and say, but there's got to be, uh, there's got to be more engagement since Australia. When there was that whole mess, Cammy, over Australia, the press releases and stuff like that and stuff from the boardroom, this club has been silent. We have sat for six months and not spoke to anyone. Now, you know that my wife is a season ticket holder. She's had a season ticket for 20 plus years. She said to me just last week, I can't remember the last time I heard from Stuart Robertson. Now, Stuart Robertson doesn't need to be there every week saying, well, it's OK, Stephen, we're doing this, we're doing that out in the press, you know, he doesn't need to do that, but he needs to be more than what he was, but he needs to be less than what he was at the start of the year. We we have struggled to find that balance. That's where we are for me. Proper leadership from the boardroom, from positions. You know, I'd like to see more of that. I'm led to believe we are going to see more than that. So that's a positive. They do, as a boardroom, having had dealings with them, they do seem to accept the points that are made to them, you know, they're not anti-criticism in terms of sitting there thinking that everything's wonderful. So I hope that these things and, and people see the fan engagement stuff that is coming through in emails and people think, oh, it's pointless. Please fill them in because it's really important. But as a club, this is my big issue, Cammy. I think what you touched on is correct. Sort the small issues, bridge the gap for communication to the support for various things, various easy wins, customer service, you start improving that and very quickly you'll get an uptake in mood and an uptake in, in how we're feeling. And then maybe when things do go wrong, you won't get such a dramatic reaction because it's all tied into one. Yeah, and I think you're right in terms of the element of of 
I don't want to two-foot people. I don't think, for example, that the, the ticket issues that we have are the responsibility of the SLO. I don't think that people within having issues within my jails mean that the system is perfect. Because I've spoken to the people behind my jails. I've spoken to, um, you know, people at the club in terms of the various different, you know, endeavours that they are trying to put out in terms of the project stuff and all that kind of thing as well. But what you need um, is, is, I think, like you say, someone to take the responsibility, someone to be able to then say, look, you know, if so and so has had an issue, then we've taken it from there. Um, we will deal with it. We will pick that up. And as I say, I don't think either of us, Stevie, are really suggesting for a minute that, you know, we're downplaying someone's issue by saying that it's a small thing and it's in the grand scheme of things. Of course, it will be personally important to them. We totally get that. But that's why I wanted to raise it was because there's elements to within this because, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm very, very opposed to this idea of, you know, like Dave King coming out every 20 minutes and criticising something to do with the board. The board have got us where we are um, in terms of the success that we have we are enjoying um, and have continued to enjoy over the last number of years. Um, those will be fulfilled, in my opinion, in bricks and mortar with obviously New Edmondson House. Finally, a club museum, which I've only been asking for for the business end of the majority of my entire life. Um, things like that. But... That being said, there are also things that we can deal with now. And I think the frustration I feel with them, Stevie, is I actually think that they're quite fixable. I actually think that some of them could be quick wins. And as a support, we're patient. Whether people, I mean, I know we've spoken a lot, certainly across the course of, of, uh, of this show and in terms of the reaction with it. But I actually think by and large, as a support, we are pretty patient and we will accept the fact that things won't change overnight or, you know, we can't come up with an immediate solution. And so therefore it's, you know, it's a take it or leave it scenario. I think most people would understand that, you know, if something has went wrong or something is a, is a problem and it needs fixed, just tell us that you're fixing it and come back to us in the, you know, later on with an update. It doesn't mean that I demand huge levels of compensation and all the rest of it and stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's because, again, you make us feel like fans and not customers. And I think that that's the most important thing. And many of us of a certain vintage will remember previous Ibrox regimes that you were very much a paying customer. That's all you really were. You being a supporter was a very, very distant second. And that's, that is absolutely not where I'm suggesting the board have got us. But there's easy ways to be able to try and avoid even getting back to that potential scenario as well. So, yeah, as I say, I think it's good for us to be able to talk openly about that because, you know, as you rightly say, is the responsibility within fan media. We have to be able to represent a voice of the fans within that. There are obviously other groups that can do that, but, you know, we can't hide from the truth and the things that we either get raised to us, we see, hear, read about, etc., yeah, that's not anything that we can we can make a, a, a conscious choice to ignore. Stevie, overall, um, keen to kind of get your thoughts in terms of everything that we discussed. Um, we're, we're too early on to be able to try and do a report card thus far, but opening period of the season, we've had loads, obviously, that we've talked about and stuff as well. Overall, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about the kind of upcoming period after this dreaded international break before we head on into the, the World Cup proper? Um are you confident? Are you been happy with what you've seen over the piece? Uh, still work to do. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are that it could have been a lot worse than it is. Now, that's that's the negative point straight away. But actually, Cami, we've kind of limped domestically away from home to the point where 
we're two points behind. We've got to galvanise and regroup. We have to get our confidence back. And we have to get through what's a really tough period. The the end of the Champions League group stages, um, we've got the quarterfinal of the League Cup, which is imperatively important that we we make sure that we, we get through that with a home tie. League form, we need to pick up. Not necessarily at home, it goes back to what we spoke about before, but performance levels have got to be higher. It's a work in progress. I understand all that. I get that and I get where we are and I understand it, but it can be better. We can perform better. We can do things better on the pitch. We can do things better off the pitch. So for me, report card wise, six out of 10. And if you'd if they had won today, and this isn't, you know, if we were five points behind, I probably would have gave you five out of 10. We've got slightly out of jail. So we're, we're sitting two points behind. In the grand scheme of things of what we've come through this last month, etc., then we're relatively fine. And nobody wants to be second. Nobody wants to drop points at Easter Road. I get that. I understand that completely. And we need to front up and be better in individual performances. So think I'm a 6 out of 10. I mean, I've explained my position on on the board and on, on Geo, and, uh, and I don't think that's worth going over. Again, we don't need to repeat that. We need to be better on and off the pitch is, is where we are. If we have, you know, you, you quite rightly pointed out, Rangers never start well. So if we go through what we, we think and hope and history has told us that we'll begin to hit form and put results together and and I know that Champions League is going to disrupt it, but we need to go to Tynecastle and win. We need to start getting domestic form together. If we can rack that up, then things will look a lot brighter than they are now, potentially performance-wise and things like that. So let's hope for, for better. And positively, if we can get where we are now up until the World Cup in a not a worse position, then I'll be... This isn't mean to. It probably sound. It'll probably sound defeatist, but it's not meaning to sound that. What I want to see is a a, a a string of performances, a string of results. But what I mean by not being in a worse position is we can't control what they do because we can't play them. So you take it just as they do their business. From us, if we do ours and hit that form and hit that run, start getting the confidence back in, start getting the players performing. You like Sir James Tavernier, you like Sir Ryan Kent, start getting them back up to the levels we know we are. We're a good side and we can do good things. So I'm looking forward to the break that we've got now. Hopefully we can regroup as a uh, regroup and get back together as a squad, etc. And then I'm looking forward to coming back and hitting the ground running and getting these results and building them up. The, the players should should be sitting there thinking right now that it's not game on again, but it should their their mentality should be that you know. We've we've got through a really tough period. We've got a good three points yesterday, albeit it can be better. Let's kick on. And that's exactly where I am. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. I think, you know, I would probably say I'm, I'm, I'm midway. I'm, I'm probably about a six out of ten at the moment in terms of where things are at. I think I want to look at it positively in terms of saying, you know, we do have signings that have yet to make an impact. So uh, let's see what they can do when they're given a fair crack of the whip. Um, we need to allow players time to settle. Uh, not all of them are going to come in and hit the ground running, like obviously Cholak has. But we've got the opportunity there to be able to try and provide more. And I think, and as I say, I don't want to spend any real time talking about them as well, but I think 
from what you've seen um, against Celtic dropping points uh, in Paisley, Stevie, is the fact that it's probably felt like a long time that no one could have laid a glove on them. I think that they were uh, a day shy of going a year unbeaten in a league. But I think, you know, to use the phrase now that we uh, we now see that they can be got at, and I think other teams will start to see that. So, you know, again, it might take a little bit of the wind out of their sails, but equally we need to get the wind back in ours. Um, and the, the phrase I've used a lot is that old Glasgow terminology of swagger. We've needed to be able to try and get a bit of strut back in our step and I'm not saying that from an arrogant perspective what I mean by that is being able to go out there and actually show that you know we are an incredibly strong team an incredibly dominating team when we when we want to be and be able to go out there and get some some really strong and and, and solid results that I think like I say we'll be able to put out a few statements and that for me you're absolutely right starts at Tynecastle once the break is over as well. Stevie as always um it's been a, a privilege to be able to talk to you. Can you tell me, please, and tell the people listening as well where they can read a bit more from uh, yourself at Four Lads? Yeah, so simply go on to any kind of your search engines and you just type in Four Lads Had a Dream, all one word. Um, the the um, word four, not the number four. Dot blog, stick that in and it will come up. You can subscribe. I think there's way up to 90,000 people who get you know the emails to them so there's a high percentage there you can get that sent to you as soon as or you can follow us social media twitter um instagram i think we're even on tiktok now cami which is not my forte i can't do all these videos but we've got a nice guy cat gary that does these things for us and so we're, we're we are basically on on your social media four lads of the dream all one word and you'll find us um and we do I do. It's it's basically me, you know. I, I try and do the the match reports, the the press conference stuff. We try and cover a bit of the women's team, a bit of the B team as well, and we, we try and bring you all the latest news. Just like yourselves over at Heart and Hand, we work quite closely together, um, um, and and you know we we try and do our best. So come and follow us. Come and read our read what we do, and and hopefully people like it. And it is yeah. sorry as well, just to say. It's not a subscription service or anything like that. It is free, um, and you you don't have to. You know, there's you, you can come and read it for free and enjoy it. And if you want to even, if you fancy blogging, or you fancy writing about stuff like that, please get in contact because it is only me, and I will take if if people are looking to start that kind of thing, maybe students and things, can I Then please come and speak to us for dream dot blog, and we will get you sorted. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you uh, enjoyed uh, today's show and you'd like to hear a little bit more from us at Heart and Hand, please jump over to our Patreon site, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, you can get up to five shows a day, depending on your subscription levels. Uh, and we will have our regular free shows, the flagship on a Monday uh, with David and guests. And usually towards the tail end of the week, uh, Heart and Hand Extra with Adam as well. And if you'd like to be able to, to check those out, they will be back with you uh, in the run-up to uh, the return from the international break as we hit the road to Tynecastle. Uh, Stevie, a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I love talking about all things Rangers with you. Uh, and I just, uh, as I say, really appreciate the, the opportunity to to speak to you again once we have a, a few more games under our belt and we'll be back in with the, with the relay. Yeah, absolutely. We, it was due to kind of holidays and things. We it's slightly longer gap than than we wanted, so we will be back quite soon, hopefully, 
in October time to, to speak again. This has been quite a long episode, which I appreciate as well. I hope people have enjoyed it. Um, it's certainly a pleasure to talk to you, Cammy. Um, you know, we all want, want what's best for this club and, and you know, everybody that's listening will feel the same. And feed it back to us. Let us know what you think. You know, are we not strong enough? Are we... Uh, are we too critical? You know, we feedback. What would you like to hear on the shows and things like that? Because this is a broad platform and we are open to covering what you want to hear and also trying to find out what you want to know. So please let us know. And I hope that you enjoy it and come back and listen. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Do uh, as best you can to try and enjoy the international break as well. Uh, the real football will be back before you know it. Uh, but in the meantime, as I say, jump onto our respective sites to be able to try and get your fix for all things Rangers. Stevie, a pleasure again as always. Thank you so much, my friend. And we will be speaking to you again very shortly. Have a great uh, international break, folks, and we'll speak soon. Bye-bye. That was a Heart and Hand production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.